Food Heals Podcast, episode 118. While I was waiting for my results, he wrote, wrote me the prescription that I wanted. I spelled it out for him. And I went <laughs> on a treatment the way I wanted. I found a lab that made the specific B12 methylcobalamin I was looking for. And I began to inject myself and get this. And this, this to this day gets me excited. Four weeks into the treatment, I got pregnant. Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals Podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals Nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put down the Ben and Jerry's, get off the couch, and take a walk outside. If you experience any of these symptoms, tell your Facebook friends immediately. All right. Welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody. And I'm Susie Hardy. Today, we're talking with Elena Wilkins, aka Vigalicious. Vigalicious? Vigalicious. Sounds Damn. like an offshoot of Fergie. I know. Vigalicious. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she is a fitness instructor, personal fitness trainer, and a lifestyle coach. She spent the last nine years of her life researching and studying health and nutrition and practicing the principles that she now teaches in the program Body by Plants. After spending many years being misdiagnosed, she was finally told that she had hypothyroidism and that changed everything. Next up, our interview with Elena. The Food Heals Podcast starts now. Today, we're here with Elena Wilkins, who was told her hypothyroidism could not be reversed, but only controlled with medication. How frustrating. She refused to believe it and refused her medication. Good for her. So she decided that if she got herself into it, she could get herself out of it. And that's just what she did. Welcome, Elena. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. We're so glad to have you. We're very happy to have you. Yes. I'm tickled to my toes. (laughs) (laughs) So you have one of those healing stories that we love to share. It's long, it's complicated, and it really, you learn how to heal yourself. Especially because I think a lot of people could benefit from your knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think I, and excuse my language, I don't know if this is appropriate or not, but all the crap that I have gone through and put myself through at one point, I always regret it, but I always kind of am thankful for it because I get to help hundreds of women right now to not go through the same thing or to also bring themselves out through the healing process and give them the step-by-step. So as bad as it was, it was kind of worth it. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to look at it because if we live our lives going, why did this happen to me? And in regret, then everything's going to come back because we are vibrating at our thoughts. Like, what are we thinking every day? And so the fact that you can turn that around into your healing, empowering story to help others is fantastic. Well, thank you. You're welcome. So let's start from the beginning and tell us about how you got started, how you first got sick. What were your symptoms? Well, so my my story started, oh my goodness, it was about 15 years ago. I was going to college full-time. I was working full-time. I was volunteering everywhere I could full-time. And then my we were just starting today, so my boyfriend, he was not even my fiancé yet, he ended up in a hospital with a brain tumor. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, it was benign. So he went through three brain procedures. So I became his full-time caregiver, full-time employee at my place of employment and still going to college and all of those things. And 
I was running on average about three hours of sleep for about two months. Mm. And that really started to break down my system. And what happened is my body depleted itself of all the essential minerals and some of the vitamins. And my menses, instead of being regular, like it was supposed to be, became sporadic, like once every three months. And I was just not smart enough. I went to my OBGYN and I told her, I said, we were, that's like a year later now, I'm fast forwarding, getting ready to get married. And I said, I, I think I uh, want to get on birth control because we're not ready to have kids yet. Mm -hmm. And instead of telling me about, you know, that you think that would be the job of any physician and I didn't do my homework, instead of telling me about all the possible side effects and symptoms of birth control medication, she said, oh yeah, especially if you want to regulate your menses, you know, it's stupid me, hindsight 2020. I'm like, okay, you know, let's do this. And so unknowingly really, because I just, I think I was too tired to research it for myself. Yeah. So I was too lazy. I but, got them both control. I have to interrupt you, Elena. This is something that I'm passionate about because I've experienced similar experience where that is just a given uh, for women in the United States where I was never on hormonal birth control mm -hmm. up until the age of 25. My mother always encouraged me not to be on it because she thought it was bad for you. She thought it caused cancer. She thought mm -hmm. there were too many side effects that it was blanketly prescribed for many things and, and that the ramifications were not known. So I was okay with it up until I was 25. And then I was shamed into it by an OBGYN that like, how dare I not be on hormonal birth control? How oh irresponsible of me. Oh. There's no other way to prevent pregnancy if I'm sexually active. And I was shamed into it. And then after six months of being on hormonal birth control, I thought this is, I don't let my body doesn't like this. I don't like it. I don't want to be on it. But I, it is astounding. Every girlfriend of mine has always been on the pill or some kind of hormonal birth control. And the side effects, the ramifications are never discussed. I'm getting teary-eyed just listening to you because after I, I went through this myself, I've now helped thousands of women. I'm, I'm extremely passionate. So being sexually active is one thing, but the ramification of birth control goes so much more beyond just family planning. Yeah. And that, that's what we think it's for. First of all, let me start on the emotional level. It puts all of the responsibility, our family yes. planning, our preventing pregnancy on woman. Yes. I know. So here's what happens. And, and okay, so I'm a feminist and I'm, I'm not hiding it. it <laughs> the guy shows up to the party <laughs> and he's having fun yeah. and he doesn't have to think about anything. No. So think about all the sexual active women out there. Most of them will think about the condom, the birth control, you know, whatever else. And guys, it is just like an afterthought. So given, so enough, you're in a committed relationship and you're doing this. It's not that your guy is just this horrible person because my guy just didn't know any better and I didn't know any better. So he's shown up to the party and we're on this hormonal medications that are throwing off our natural flow of hormones yeah. and which are blocking our sexuality, darn it. Yeah, you know, I never knew how great it was to enjoy intimacy with my husband until I got out of birth control because all of a sudden it's like my flower was blossoming the way it was supposed to. Yes. And, you know, thankfully I didn't go on, on birth control until I was in my late 20s. That's when I got married because before that I was not sexually active. So there was no need for me to. But there are a lot of women like us were shamed into my, my doctor. She was uh, I'm sorry. She was totally ignorant on the topic. She was trying to prove think, to me. I think they all are. I yeah. She, well, and she was trying do. to prove to me, for example, that I needed a pap smear while I was never sexually active before that. I was like, what the heck? So yeah. mm -hmm. the woman goes home, does her research, shows up to my next appointment after we had this battling out of, of the brains. Oh yeah, you don't need a pap smear. I'm like, well, I could have told you that without being educated on the topic, yeah. right? <laughs> but and yeah. And I, I want to mention something real. Sorry to interrupt you, but you said you're a feminist. I'm a feminist too. I know Ali is as well. And what the pill did for women in the 60s in terms of liberation, sexual liberation, sexual freedom, 
freedom, control of our own bodies was phenomenal. However, the evolution stopped there. And, yes. And while emotionally or socially freed us up to have control over our own reproductive systems, there should have been some, some research thereafter, maybe something better. There are other options than just hormonal birth control. And, and I feel like that's where it stopped. Well, Su- Susie, there, there are things out there better. And there was research done at that time. It was not published as well. It was not publicized. It was a well-hidden secret. There there was like highly estrogenic birth control that literally caused cancers, caused birth defects in kids and other things. Eventually they phased it out. They made it more mellow, but still affecting women. But to this day, long-term studies are showing how it's affecting us. So what happened to me with birth control? It pushed me into uh, having hypothyroidism. So I developed that Mm -hmm. because it was already in the beginning stages. So it pushes me into it. So I don't really have a menses anymore, but the withdrawal of medication is causing for me to bleed, but that's not real menses because I'm not going through my normal ovulation. It's just, I'm going through bleeding. One of the other side effects that is very little known about, it can cause pituitary dysfunctions. And for me, I was eventually diagnosed with a pituitary adenoma, which is basically either swelling or a tumor on your pituitary gland, which causes for you to lactate. Mm. And I didn't know that. And when it started for me, and I go from doctor to doctor and they're like, oh no, that could never be because of birth control. So lo and behold, when I finally get off of it and I get so angry and passionate about the topic, I dig into it. There were lawsuits. There were things that, that were not well publicized that connect the two. So I became not only hypothyroid, I became infertile at the same time. So he wiped out, it kind of like gave us the first few years of marriage where I didn't have to think about kids, but it kind of took away my sexuality, the enjoyment of intimacy. And then it took away my my desire for motherhood at the same time. Mm. And then I spent years after that fighting. And, and so this was my process. So I'm not only a feminist, but I fight for the rights of every woman to know what happens to our bodies when we, uh, we think that we are becoming free. We're thinking that we're free ourselves. But there are so many other things that are more beneficial for us. So there is natural family planning that we practice right now with my husband. When you know your ovulatory cycle, when you know when you're when you're fertile or infertile, when you're in a committed relationship, when you're not afraid of sexually transmitted diseases, it is more efficient than the pill. Mm-hmm. And you know, just think about that. Body and- temperature. Yeah, it's basal body temperature. It's looking at your mucus. So the mucus that our body would excrete, we'll look at that, at the quality. It goes by quality, the quantity and, and everything else. And it takes literally like three minutes out of your day and you don't have to pay a penny for it. And you don't have to mess up your hormones. And here's the the best thing. And then the man gets involved in a process and all of a sudden he's no longer just a party goer, but he's an active participant at family planning. So he, he wakes up and says, you know, if he wants to be intimate, honey, how's your cycle going? You know, where's you your cycle? So we're like, okay, let's do this. And mine in the beginning. So when my, mine is, he's made very much a feminist too. So he, uh, we went through the training together. We went to a, uh, um, coach to, to get trained on unnatural family planning. And in the beginning, he was looking with me at my mucus and all of that. I mean, if you are a man enough to show up to the party, you're a man enough to be a part of, the, of yeah, this. Process, yeah. right? So then this becomes process when you cannot be intimate if you're trying to avoid getting pregnant. It's perfect time for cuddling and reading books together and hanging out, going to the movies or doing something. A lot of intimacy you still can make out and do all the wonderful things the couple do. You just don't do the deed, the deed, <laughs> right? right? So, and it, it liberates you in a sense that at that point, when we eventually get to this, and I know I skipped on the, the essential question that we started with when we, we got sidetracked, but okay. when we got to this point, 
I felt so liberated. I didn't feel alone anymore in this relationship. I didn't feel like it was my responsibility to make sure we don't get pregnant before we're ready. All of a sudden, this wonderful man that I'm married to, he is as interested in my fertility and my sexuality as I am in his. Mm -hmm. Because if he were told that he needs to go on birth control to prevent a pregnancy, but in a process, his sexuality would be hampered. I would say, honey, you shouldn't do it. We should find a better way. But we didn't think to approach my birth control situation, my my, uh, prevention of pregnancy in a similar way, because women, we just take everything in ourselves. But you know, End of my feminist ranting here. (laughs) (laughs) No, we totally hear you and we totally agree. And I just want to share one of my experiences, which is when I first got on birth control, before I was even sexually active, I literally just did it because everyone was doing it. And I thought it was just a rite of passage. That's what you do when you you turn like 18. And so maybe it was 17. I'm not, I don't remember exactly. But I remember they didn't tell me about the side effects either. Not one word about it. They said, oh, good. Your skin's going to clear up. And I thought, I don't have a skin problem. We almost approach it like it's a supplement. Like, oh, it's going to make your skin clear and it's going to make your, it's going to take care of a bunch of stuff, extra stuff that we didn't even know about. Never mind the pregnancy. Yeah. You're depressed, go on birth control. You don't have a menses, go on birth control. You want to get rid of your acne, go on birth control. It's like, wow, you can sell it as anything. And, you know, it's nothing for a doctor. They get a kickback for every prescription they write. Right. But if you don't have insurance, it's like over $100. If you have insurance, it's $50 each month. So do the math. It's like $600 a month. Do you know how many groceries, organic groceries I can buy for that much money? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that will not cause me any of the side effects. So yeah, it's uh, I'm horrified and I am kind of like, I know I'm on a mission. I want to free women from feeling like they have to carry the responsibility of our sexuality of family planning of everything on our shoulders because darn it we are feminists we're women we we've had it it's time that men step up and take the responsibility and say what is best for you honey as opposed to say hey let's party and you take care of it yeah i love it so much can we go back i know we skipped over this because we got really excited no we do we do it all the time but i want to hear about what your diagnosis was because you had two diagnoses that we know of and so can you talk about that and then how you overcame those Right. So as I was getting sicker and we ended up getting married, of course, my, my fiance, my boyfriend, my fiance became my husband and he, after brain surgeries, he could not out. family, by the way. Oh, thank you. Oh, I, I find it very cute right too. Now. Beautiful. <laughs> thank you. So he had constant chest pains, basically angina and any stress, any food, anything. It would just upset his body to the point that I didn't know whether he was going to have a heart attack or a stroke or anything else. Ugh. He was uh, raised in an adopted family. So I made it my mission after we got married to find his biological family. At that point, I still didn't know how much genealogy really had to do with the expression of diseases. Mm-hmm. So we found his biological family in on both of the father's and mother's biological side. They had strokes and heart attacks by the age, like starting at the age of 13 and on. Oh my um, God, 13. Uh, dying off at 50, 60 from heart attacks and cancers are rampant. So mm-hmm. after we found them, I got home and I said, honey... We're changing our diet. So I made it better to the point that it was, we still ate animal foods, but everything was homemade. Everything was lean. But as much as, as that was good for him, it did not improve his symptoms. Mm. So eventually I got on this thing. We, um, this is like a pre-story of what happened to me. We ran into a college friend of his and she was dying of cancer. And I love to help people naturally. So I started to research to see how we could help her. And so that was my aha moments. Like if I can help this woman, I can help my husband. So sure 
enough, you know, long story short, we went to his doctor. He didn't want to take him off his meds for high cholesterol. We decided to come off of it anyway. So we talked the doctor into it. Within three months, his cholesterol was normal. He started to lose weight. He was feeling great. And I, I took about a year overall in research. And then I thought, okay, I got him well. What about me now? Yeah. So that was my my time to say, okay, it is time to think about me first. And that's when I decided it's time to get off birth control because at that time I already knew that it was really, really bad. And you ladies probably have heard of Dr. Pam Popper in Ohio. Mm-mm. No, she she's the lady behind a lot of documentaries and Forks Over Knives is one of them. Oh, okay. If you ever get a chance, and she is very open in your t- interviews, she is a walking library of knowledge on everything plant based and nutrition. Oh, we love to. She is amazing. So it, you just let me know, and I'll shoot out an um, email to her. She's my mentor. Thank you. So, but I ended up at one of her seminars, and she mentioned how bad birth control was. But at that time, I was not ready yet to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. So when the time came. I already knew how bad it was. So this is exactly the time I get up birth control and I think I want to get pregnant, but I'm having all the symptoms. My hair is falling out. My brows are thinning. My knees are in so much pain that I can no longer get out even of bed by myself. My husband is pulling me up in the morning. I'm gaining weight. I'm heat sensitive, a lot of symptoms. And so I go from doctor to doctor. Nobody's diagnosing me with anything. So I finally, this is just the rise of the internet knowledge when everybody's sharing everything. So I did a lot of research. I mapped out all my symptoms, self-diagnosed with hypothyroidism, then found a doctor who ran labs. And this coincides uh, with the time when I came up birth control. And he finally diagnoses me, but with not just hypothyroidism, with a pituitary adenoma too. And he says, if you ever want to get pregnant, here are two medications for you because you can never cure hypothyroidism. And you can never cure pituitary adenoma. Mm. And my husband was with me at the appointment, and he literally, he was like, he came in, do they did the exam? I felt very violated because you know they take a probe, they go inside of you and, and oh. look if you have any eggs and why you're not ovulating. Yeah. Then he walks in, gives me my sentence basically to prescription, just walks out, and I'm like. Why did it just happen to me? Right. So yeah, we go, get out in our car. It was January. It was cold in Ohio. It was snowing. And I sit in the car and I literally, I get so angry. I cry my eyes out. I give myself like 10 minutes to have self-pity. Yeah. Hell yeah. And I, I look at my <laughs> husband. And I said, there's no freaking way I'm getting on this medication because if I got myself into this mess and I know I did somehow, I, I don't know how, but I did. I said, I'm going to find a way to dig myself out of it. I love that. Good girl. So yeah, you know, you know, the first step to getting rid of any problem or, or to recovery is admitting that you have a problem, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I said, you know, screw it all. It, I was already in my 30s, early 30s. And I said, whatever it takes, I, I will have my child, but you will be on my terms this time. Yes. Good for you. So my kid is yelling for me. I didn't get a sitter today. So will you excuse me for one split second, please? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Thank you for your patience. <laughs> so no um, that's the best. That's the best segue. Can we just say after being told that you know you had problems con- or being told you, know, <laughs> you had problems conceiving? How old is your child now? She is four years old, and my child. Let me tell you, she is vegan conceived. She is vegan raised, and she is the smartest little kid I've ever met. And she she's a super super smart, energetic, and everything else. But yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So um, to get back to that story, so I started my research more into hypothyroidism and, and plant-based diet. And by then I was already convinced because we were able to heal my husband. We cured him of his problem, even though he has this genetic predisposition to having uh, high cholesterol and, and there was obesity in his family and all of that. We were totally able to 
arrest that DNA, part of his DNA and completely control his well-being from that point on. So I thought if it worked for him, it has to work for me. And so what I did at that point, we were already vegan. But I, I started to look deeper. How can I make my vegan journey better? And now that I'm off birth control, how can I heal better? And as I was doing things and just becoming more of low fat, whole foods, plant-based vegan, I just figured that I need to give myself time. So not to freak out immediately. You know, I didn't get well in two months. So, oh my, you know, vegan diet is not working. Right. I thought that this diet makes sense. And I just simply need myself, need to allow myself, afford the luxury or, or the uh, importance of time in this process. Because if I didn't get sick overnight, the chances of me healing overnight are probably next to, to none. Right. Pretty slim. <laughs> yeah. So I, I decided that, that slow and steady is going to win this race. And I retested every six months my, my thyroid markers. So it's usually your TSH, your T3, T4, reverse T3, all of those, um, basically your thyroid panel. And each test that I took, my thyroid, which was on a higher end when I first got tested, was getting lower and lower and eventually got into normal range within a year. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, that was during my process of discovery, what to do right, what to do wrong, you know, what, what don't you do. Now, on average, when I work with my clients, we can get them into this better and improving zone with it literally like weeks. And it, it also depends on how long they've been sick. But for me, that was that. And so I cured hypothyroidism, absolutely no medication taken, no problem. But then I was still stuck with my pituitary adenoma diagnosis. And I fought it for almost four years. And I got to the point that I was like, okay, I'm not getting any younger. I'm now in my mid. 30s. And I really just want to get on, on the ball of having a child because we wanted to, to have four children and I'm I'm not even there yet, you know, not at one. So it, it was a little, I hit a rough patch where there was no research that I could dig up to prove that I can even heal or cure this problem that I'm having. So I had a moment when I needed to take a break, break mentally from all the research that I was doing. And I decided I went to the same doctor that diagnosed me which was very ironic and interesting with hypothyroidism and adenoma. And he said, oh, you healed yourself of hypothyroidism. I said, would you like to know how so you can help your other clients? He said, no, thanks. Mm. And for me, that was a moment like, are you kidding me? Because this can really save the lives of of your clients because I was in depression for many, many years while fighting this disease to come out and say, if I only knew to eat plants to get better, who would say no to that, right? I know. But yeah, he, he politely declined. And then he said, well, you still have this problem. If you want to get pregnant, here's the medication. So at that point, because I really need, needed that break and, and it was a horrible um, mental battle for me that I did decide to go on medication for my pituitary gland for just a few months, but it made me sick. Oh. It made me so sick. I was a fitness trainer and I could not breathe. I could not sleep. I developed hypothyroidism again. I eventually said, you know what? Even if I never become a mother, feeling this way is not worth anything. Right. So I got off medication and one night when I was still uh, suffering from insomnia because of the medication I was on, I wrote out the rest of my symptoms and I don't know, you know, universe, God, whatever you want to call it. I found two studies that linked B12 deficiency to infertility and at wow, least- Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's it's another passion of mine getting women pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I- uh, eventually got convinced that that was me. I found two studies. I ordered a book on, could it be B12? It's called, written by a Mm non-vegan. 
And I found a, an osteopath. I interviewed them over the phone. I told them I'm vegan. I'm not planning to change. Would you work with me? And out of like five doctors I interviewed, he was the only one who said, yes, I'll work with whatever you give me basically. Yeah. So I went to him and we had this respectful conversation. My husband came. I brought all of my research. I, I talked to him and he said, one thing that you always want to look for in your doctor, he said, I specialize in everything and you specialize in your disease. So I'm sure that you know better better and more than I do about this topic. I love this guy. I, mean, I know. I was like, to this day, it gives me just goosebumps to, just to talk about him. Yeah. But what knocked me out completely is he said, can I copy your research, please? This is great. This is showing yeah? you like the comparison to the other doctor was like, no, I don't want to know. And you're yeah, like, it's, it's totally. And that's why I always tell people like Susie, you said earlier, your doctor just shamed you into it. Fire your freaking doctor. Yep. Get a new one. We are paying their bills. We can put them out of business. Yep. Simple as that. So yeah, I'm on a mission too. You well, know, they're fire. only as good as their training, right? And their training is usually funded by drug companies and pharmaceutical companies. And, you know, my mom in the seventies, when she's trying to get pregnant with me, knew about nutrition and said, is there any, are there any vitamins I should be taking? And he said, no, you know more than I do. Do what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, that was at least a smarter person because most doctors say now, no. And and they will tell you the fact that this is the fact that exactly what you're saying, they're not trained, but they're giving out this nutrition advice when you go to them. That's what our doctor did to my husband. He said, oh no, man, you're doing everything. You're working out. You're eating right. Excuse me. He said, this is genetic. So there's nothing you can do about it. He was basically telling him, dude, stay on medication for the rest of your life. I'm getting a kickback. You're getting sicker. So I'll be your doctor forever. That's so ridiculous. But, <laughs> you know, I, I can't agree that they're only as good as their training to a point because you get just kind of like kids. We can blame our parents for our problems only to a point. When we get adults, we have to start asking questions. And if you've been a doctor long enough, and if you see that something is not working, your patients are not getting better, you know, that's exactly what happened to Caldwell Esselstyn, the Mm -hmm. heart doctor. He finally said, what I'm doing is not working. What can I do differently? So we have to get to that point. And I think our doctors, it's about time. And patients like me who are absolutely, I have no shame to stand my ground we're going to help our doctors to start asking questions or we're going to fire the bad ones and hopefully our next generation will produce better doctors. And it's, and it's really, I just had this flash of like an image of like me fighting my cable provider. Going, <laughs> I'm paying you a premium. You should, my channels are out half the time. Yeah. Why is that so? It's the same thing with the doctors. It's like, I'm paying you a premium. My thyroid is not normal. What you're doing is not helping and I feel sick. And it's, and it's, it's got to, it, it unfortunately, our health, and I say this in air quotes, healthcare versus like managed disease care has, just like we talked about earlier about evolution of birth control is stunted. And it's, and I believe is being, you know, you look where the money goes, it's being controlled by pharmaceutical companies versus what can we do for ourselves? What are we looking at our thoughts and what we eat and what we put into our bodies and how we manage our birth control, et cetera, how we live our lives that matters matters a lot more actually than our genetics. Truth be told, I've well, and the genes can be turned on and off, which exactly. is something we haven't gotten into. But your genes are not your end all be all. No. And well, and and to add to this, ladies, there's a new research, and I, I can send you a link to it after the call. The new research shows that we can rewrite our DNA. Yes. So it's in, and here's the most interesting factor of this all: you can rewrite your DNA with the right kind of food. So I, I recently was listening to TED Talk and this woman just 
rocked my world. Mm -hmm. One of the best things you can do for yourself is to eat greens. It helps you to rewrite your DNA. So even if your grandparents contributed to some of the factors in your health right now, you have the absolute power to rewrite your DNA and create a new DNA for your child and for your grandchild. I couldn't agree Agreed. more. Going back to Susie's cable guy, it's kind of like, okay, the cable, you can't fix yourself unless like you're like super, you know, genius and know how to run cables, but you can take your health into your own hands. And you can read, you know, this oh is the difference God, between yeah. us and doctors. They read <laughs> a lot more and they read a lot more specific scientific research, but you can read, if you can read... And you can fig- and you can look up words in the dictionary. You can read what they they just that's what they're pa- that's they're paid to read and understand a lot more than the average person in right. terms of the body. But they don't know everything. And what they're reading is sponsored by pharmaceuticals. Exactly. A- a- amen to that. And that that's, that that would be my next thing to say because at least so this osteopath and osteopath is a doctor who is trained as a naturopath and a medical doctor. Yes. So he was smart to realize he cannot specialize in all of the diseases. There are just too many of them. Yeah. But he knew that I, so I, on average, I used to spend three to five hours every single day for about three years. So when it comes to education, I could have like an honorary doctorate's degree, but <laughs> I do outrage sometimes people when they will say, well, my doctor told me this, I will tell them your doctor is wrong. And some of them say, well, do you really think you know it more than my doctor? And I say, yes, I do. <laughs> in this field, I do because I specialize in women's hormones. I specialize in gastrointestinal problems because it just happens that a lot of my clients come with those diseases. So I have to research them more than anything else. So yes, I do. So yeah, I think a lot of us, you know, the food bloggers and all, and people take us very lightly and make fun of us, but we are transforming this world by one blog post at a time, by one podcast at a time. And, and Absolutely. it's so important because I think of, and Ali and I say this all the time, we're not, we're not mothers yet, but we want to be and we're mothers to doggies. But like, I can imagine the heartbreak of wanting to conceive a child, not being able to, I've seen friends go through in vitro and hormone therapies and, you know, time and time again, not conceiving or having miscarriages. And it's, it's horrible when, when knowing that, like, maybe some of that works for some people. I, myself, if I came across that problem would do what you're doing, Elena, which is research take control of my health, take control of what I'm putting in my body and my thoughts and try to figure out a way that reverts to my natural processes versus hormones. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. It is a horrifically painful process. And when you want something so desperately and you cannot have it, and then you look, you go through this, it's, um, God, it's it's just uh, soul wrenching just to look back. You look at women who don't want kids who, you know, women who don't take care of their bodies or, or drug addicts and somebody else who have no problem getting pregnant. And you, then you look at yourself and you're saying, what gives? Yeah, yeah. You know, I take care of my, and then for years, like five years later, I've been vegan. I still couldn't conceive. I'm like, what is going on? And you go through this. And I looked at women who went through in vitro and other uh, things. And I consciously decided that I could not emotionally go that road. It was painful enough for me to pee on that stick and not to see anything. Just imagine if I went through in vitro, pay thousands of dollars and my body is going through a havoc of hormonal changes. And then you have this baby and maybe you think you're having, and then it never takes to your body. That is even more so. So I decided that whatever my pain was, those women were going even through more pain than I was. And I was not ready for that. So it was, I, I got to the point that I said, I would rather never have a child and I would rather adopt than go through this pain. And that was just, you know, I don't say that everybody should go through that or, or should commit to that. But for me, that, those were my limits because it was that painful. Eventually you go to so many 
baby showers mm-hmm. that you say, I, I cannot emotionally commit to one more, especially when you go to your niece's baby shower. You know? <laughs> <laughs> when the generation after you is already having babies and your your hair is yeah. like, it, it, it just doesn't, it, or the thoughtless remarks of others that you get to. And I think that's where, you know, if we're talking about women's health today is women need to start helping women more and becoming more thoughtful the way we speak to each other mm-hmm. on a few levels. First of all, not every woman wants to have a kid. So to say, hey, when you're going to have a child, if you're married or in a relationship, it can really be thoughtless. It can be hurtful. Or somebody who has been married to assume that they, that they do not want to have a kid because she's not pregnant or don't have a kid. And everybody is nagging you. When are you going to have a baby? When you go through this pain of infertility, that is very thoughtless and that is very painful. Or, you know, things like that. Or it got to the point people would give me their kids to hold is like, I don't want to hold your child. I want my own baby in my own body. Oh. You, know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. But it's unfortunately those things were coming from other women. And I thought, my God, I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to change the womanhood and, and saying, let's look at the soul of each woman first. Let's not assume that every woman wants a child or every woman that does not have a child does not want a child. You know, we're multifaceted as women. And I think we need to get to the point of saying, you're a woman, you're my sister. Let me respect you and accept you wherever you are on your journey. And before I make any assumptions about you, let me ask you. Absolutely. And so going back to your story, how did you ultimately reverse the infertility? So yay. <laughs> so happy we're going back. You're the force that's going to steer me back. So I found two studies that they connected infertility and B12 deficiency. And I found only one big specialist. He was in England. He dealt a lot with B12 deficiency in his clients. And he was well publicized because he was treating so many of his clients with B12 that the British government got involved and took away his license while investigating him. And, you know, for crying out loud, he was giving him a vitamin, not a medicine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it was was publicized because the clients that he was treating, some of them could not live without B12 injections because they had genetic malfunction basically um, oh. in the body. And so they would go, they would revert back to their other diseases uh, until he was finally granted the um, option of treating them again. So, so wrong. Oh. So wrong on so many levels. It's just, so I, I reached out to him and he is assistant who has a PhD. He was so kind to respond to me. And I said, I found all of this research and here's what I have. I think that I I messed up my pituitary with birth control. And here's what happened. Do you think it is possible, remotely possible for me to ever cure that? He said, because the vitamin B12 is involved in the very making of our DNA, there's a possibility. And there was one study done once on mice though. And um, then it was interesting. It was published and it was taken down, but it was done on mice who had tumors and they were administered very, very high doses of B12 and their tumors were shrinking because of it. Mm-hmm. So that gave me enough hope. I found my doctor while I was given my labs. He said it's a vitamin. So we agreed on, on, on that. It's water soluble. We agreed on that. And it cannot hurt you because it's water soluble. So while I was waiting for my results, he wrote, wrote me the prescription that I wanted. I spelled it out for him. And I went <laughs> on a treatment the way I wanted. I found a lab that made the specific B12 methylcobalamin I was looking for. And I began to inject myself and get this. And this, this to this day gets me excited. Four weeks into the treatment, I got pregnant. Congratulations. Go, Four That's weeks after, awesome. after about what was it? My goodness. We're now, we now have been married 13 years. So 
13 years, she's four, that's nine years, eight. So eight years of infertility. And then in four weeks, I resolved it. Wow. Wow. And so what amounts of B12 were you injecting into yourself? So the treatment for people like me, and when I ended up getting my results, I tested within normal by American standards. Uh, my uh, labs were in 200s in America. And, and a lot of times overseas too, they'll say the lowest acceptable is 180. And mind you, th- those uh, limits were based on studying only eight people. And you know, there's almost what, 7 billion of us now? Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Th- th- those uh, lab ranges are so off. So uh, my husband was, uh, husband was in 300s. We went on 1000 microgram injections daily for one week. And then we did weekly injections for a month. And then biweekly, I did it all the way through my pregnancy. And while I was nursing her, because it's a vitamin, you cannot get addicted. You cannot overdose. So you can do whatever you need to buy 1000 micrograms in injections. What would you now we do orally, we do 1000 micrograms of methylcobalamin every single day, every single member of my family. Wow. I want some right now. <laughs> yeah, you do. I, is that I'm, level found typically in a sort of oral supplement, like a B complex, or is that way higher than the FDA standards? The FDA standard is like- It's four, a joke, right? Yeah. It's like four micrograms. <laughs> but what they don't count on your body, first of all, if your stomach is, your intestines are messed up and you cannot absorb B12, then you're screwed either way. Then if you have a genetic disorder and you don't have an intrinsic factor in your gut, you cannot absorb oral B12. If you're taking B12 complex, which includes folic acid, then you might have a deficiency, but you it will be masked by folic acid. That's why we don't supplement with anything except for B12. Then there are other things that, that will mask it. So for example, even nutritional yeast, which supposedly should have B12, it's not a viable B12 that vegans can use and rely on. It will mask a deficiency while you be deficient in suffering. So we take oral and the reason we take 1000 micrograms is it's water soluble. So we count for possible problems with your body, some kind of reasons why you cannot absorb it or whatever else. So by the time you're done, your body will retain whatever you actually need. So the safest dose is 1000 minimum. And a lot of nutritionists right now and doctors in the field of plant-based nutrition will tell you exactly the same thing. 1000 micrograms is the least amount you should take. And Elena, just for my own edu- or our education and our listeners, micrograms versus milligrams, what's the difference? Micrograms is much less than milligrams. Milligrams will be a lot more. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's a metric factor. It's like by a hundred, I think. And if someone's listening, I know that we live in LA and you can literally go get a B12 shots on the corner at the juice bar. But for people that don't have that option, how can they find out where to get B12 that, you know, or get diagnosed, you know, get Mm -hmm. tested, all that stuff? Where can they go? First of all, I always tell everybody before you ever get an any supplement, you should get diagnosed. So if one thing Western medicine is good for is for diagnostics reasons. So I always will go to my doctors if I have a problem to get diagnosed and then I go treat myself. Got it. So get diagnosed. What you want to do is, and I don't know, this is not really a self plugin, but I have resources on my website for how to get tested, what to look for, because it's such a huge topic to cover. But what you want to do generally is ask for B12 testing, but blood serum test is not very reliable. And it's usually the only one that is offered at the doctors. What you want to ask for is urinary MMA. And that is testing your B12 levels in your urine, which is more reliable. There is another test for homocysteine, which shows basically toxins in your body. The less B12 you have, 
the higher amount of toxins you have. It's basically like poison. And so you can be vegan, you can be a whole whole food plant-based vegan, but if your B12 is low, you can end up having a heart attack because there's too much homocysteine in your body. So I normally recommend for people to take at least those three labs. And then if they get anything lower than 300, I tell them go ask for injections immediately. If your doctor does not do it, fire them, find another one because eventually somebody will. Yeah. And if it's about 300 or higher, I tell them. And one of the things to consider is there, um, there's gene mutations called MHTFR. So what that means if that is the case in some people and they have to get tested for it. You can't really rely on sublinguals or on supplements. You have to get injections and they'll save your life. And the Wait, way to do it, you ask for, I'm sorry. I have to stop you. Why? Why do you need in- injections versus sublinguals? Or sure. Supplements? So people who are missing the intrinsic factor, if they take sup- a supplement that goes through your stomach, it simply cannot be absorbed into your body. Your body does not know what to do with it. It's like having a stupid body, really. You know, <laughs> it's in there. You don't know what to do with it. So sublinguals, they are more effective because we're sucking on, on them. They go through salivary glands into the body, but they're not the most reli- reliable way for most people with that genetic disorder. You know, luckily, it's a very, very tiny percentage of the population, but people should get tested. So if you're on supplements and they're not helping you, Get tested for that genetic disorder and it's one lab. It will take care of it for the rest of your life because if you have it, all you need to do is maybe like one injection a month will do it for you or two injections a month. And then you can have a normal life. And once you get diagnosed, so for those who don't have the genetic mutation and you're over 300, I would start with 5,000 micrograms, high dosage. It will catch you up much faster. Then your body will keep whatever you need and you can go within like six months and 1,000 microgram dosage. And then you're going to be happy because you're going to sleep better. You're going to think better. Your fertility is going to be improving because it affects fertility in women, but also in in men, the uh, like sperm count and sperm motility depends on B12 levels. So you so, said that you and your husband both were getting B12 before you mm-hmm. get pregnant, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's a really important thing to point out. It's not just about us. It's about them as well. Always. And I think that was a good thing for you to point out because, again, a lot of times when we happen, we are not able of having children. We always blame ourselves somehow Mm -hmm. when it could be, you know, this combined disorder that we're sharing. Yeah, absolutely. Elena, can you repeat the three labs that you suggested everyone get? The homocysteine? Absolutely. What were the other two? Homocysteine. Yeah, homocysteine, urinary B12. So urinary MMA and then blood serum MMA. And blood serum usually is the least correct one, but we still do just in case because in my case, it was correct to show my deficiency. So it's not always reliable, but it's good to have it as an option. That's amazing. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Elena from Vegalicious. Today's show is sponsored by the Global Healing Center. You know them. We talk about them all the time. You know that all their products are organic, are free of GMOs, use no toxic ingredients, are eco-friendly. And you know that I'm obsessed with their Parfait Massage. And I'm obsessed with their Aqua Spirit Refreshing Spray. And you know we scored a discount code for you to get 20% off of their products. Yep. Use coupon code FOODHEALS to get 20% off plus free shipping on your purchase at Global Healing you're listening to the food hills podcast make sure to subscribe rate and review us on itunes all right can you tell us a little bit about what is the daniel fast 
Oh, we're going totally different direction. Absolutely will do. <laughs> so Daniel Fast is something that people around the world really now are doing. People usually, by people I say believers who, believe, who are Christian of Christian origin. There is a story in the Bible of a guy named Daniel and his three friends. And at one point, so... I don't know how much the audience is familiar with the Bible or not. So they're in, in captivity and they are chosen because they have come from good families. They're educated. So they're chosen to be trained to be in king's attendance. And they're offered the king's food to be uh, trained. And so they, they're offered the best food that the king has to offer. And they're saying, we're not going to defile ourselves with this fast, uh, with this food. And instead, we're going to eat just fruits and vegetables, basically. Mm-hmm. And so they talk in the man who is over them to allow them to eat only fruits and vegetables. And this guy is distraught. He's like, no way the king is going to have my head, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And they said, that's okay. And imagine if this story is true, and I don't know how true it is, but you know, let's assume that it's true. These guys were way, way ahead of their time because <laughs> right. they go on this, basically your water, your fruits and vegetables. And 10 days later, they're looking better than other guys and they're thinking better and they're performing better. And so this guy is saying, okay, you can keep eating this way. And then another portion of this guy's Daniel story is... Years later, when he's an old man, he decides to fast for a reason. And, and people can read about that in their Bibles, that he is basically seeking the face of God on the, on the, um, specific topic. And he says, for this time, while I'm seeking his face, while I need an answer to this need, I'm not going to touch any meat products, any pleasant products. So anything that is basically king's kind of food, your pastries, your wine, your meat products, all of that. So he basically goes on a restricted diet that would be qualified as a whole foods plant-based right now. Mm -hmm. And 21 days later, he has his revelation that he's seeking. So what people, believers around the world now are doing, they're saying, okay, if if it works for Daniel, maybe this will will work for me. And they go on this vegan, basically diet for three weeks. And some of them choose to do fruits and vegetables only. Some of them will do grains also. But the interesting part is we all know as uh, foodies of uh, Whole Foods Plant Base Camp is three weeks is more than enough for people to see a great change in their bodies. Yeah. So what they discover is while they're fasting for their other needs, they're starting to lose weight and they're healing and they're feeling like never before. Yeah, they feel like a million bucks and they're like, wow, there's something to this. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, that, that's pretty much what Daniel Fast is about. And usually people start doing it at the beginning of the year. So that's when you hear the whole web talking about it. So you have an ebook about this. Yes, I do. I, I come from a uh, religious background, so I, I don't know how pertinent this is to the show, but I was raised a Christian and I spent a lot of my life uh, as uh, one. And then I went through a deconversion process, but I totally understand where people are coming from, what they're doing. So I created the ebook at the time when I was still a believer, you know, a Christian believer, I should say, because we all believe in something. But yeah, I, I have an ebook on this and it basically gives people recipes and menu planners so they know how to do it without freaking out. And in the book, I talk about nutrition because nobody should do something like that without understanding nutrition behind it. So my my point is to always educate people, tell them about protein and fat and sugars and why we're doing what we're doing and about B12. And this is a great way to introduce literally thousands of people every year for me about the importance of a whole foods plant-based diet. No, I love the story and I love where you're coming from. Whether you're religious or not, it works. And so if that's a way of coming to it and telling that story in order to get people on the fruit and vegetable bandwagon, absolutely, you know. So tell us about your podcast, Vegalicious. Where can everyone listen and find it online? 
at this point, I'm pretty much everywhere. So I'm on iTunes, Stitcher Radio. I am in Google Play and pretty much any Android app that you can download. If you just look up either Elena Wilkins or Vegalicious, so it's V-E-G-A, Licious, which is L-I-C-I-O-U-S, one word, only my website has a hyphen. So Vegalicious, it will come up. But yeah, I'm I'm nowhere near where you ladies are in your awesomeness. Maybe one day I'll grow up and be as good as you are, but I'm trying. We think you're awesome. So we're definitely going to listen. And tell us about your coaching and what a plant-based consultation is. I What I do is... Yeah, consultation, coaching, (laughs) whichever way. I I like to call it coaching sometimes because I actually get to coach people about what they should do. So a lot of women, most of my audience is women, which I love. They come to me and they already have either they're overweight, they have hormonal disorders and or gastrointestinal problems or they cannot conceive. And they're saying, I've tried everything. I've tried paleo. I've tried counting calories, whatever. Nothing is working. I've tried medication. Can you help me? And I always tell them I cannot, but you can help yourself. However, I can teach you how you can help yourself. So I get to tell them about, we we usually review their health history and I look at their medical labs and we talk about what they can do food-wise, where they can start, what they need to know about vitamins and, and nutrition, how does that play a role in I educate them on why the plant-based diet and how to do it correctly because we all, if we've we've done vegan for any period of time, we've seen people do it the right way and the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. Just like you can do any diet the right way and the wrong way. So I just teach them how to approach it from a common sense point of view. So if it's too crazy, it's usually not for us to do so. We don't do any formulas. I just teach them how to eat plants, uh, legumes, fruits, vegetables, grains, and I hold their hand in the beginning. I hold their hand for a month or if they choose three or six months with me, some do a year with me. And when they're ready to fly on their own, usually within three to six months, most of their health issues have been resolved. Some women rarely we go a whole year when they really need that one-on-one attention. And your consulting is very affordable. And can anyone do this from anywhere? Can you do it over Skype? Yeah, that's uh, that's how we do it. It is very affordable is because when I was very, very sick. I used to pay about $300 and that was after my insurance paid some mm-hmm. for a uh, visit to a specialist. And before I knew it, I really could not afford Even if I wanted to have in vitro, I could not afford it. Right. But I make it affordable because my job is to educate somebody for them to not need me within literally three to six months. So I make it affordable. I make myself very accessible through email. So we do a Skype call like we are doing right now. And then the follow-ups are all through email and they have access to me literally every single day, any time of day, as long as, as I am by my computer, I will respond almost immediately. So yeah, anywhere I had clients from, uh, goodness, from Russia, Germany, United, uh, United Emirates, let's see, America all over the, the country and many, many other countries. So anywhere, as long as you speak English or Russian, I can do it. <laughs> awesome. Elena, I have one last minute question. Are there, what are some good natural sources of, of where we can find B12 or is it more assimilable to our bodies as injections if we're deficient? If you are extra deficient, so if you are below 300, I'd say go get injections so you can catch up faster because injections, what happens, they go into your muscle and the muscle releases it slowly. Mm-hmm. If you take it orally and if you're having intestinal problems, as most Americans do, so B12 deficiency so that people know is not a vegan problem. problem. It's a human problem. 
And a lot of people who come to me, they're omnivores and they have a B12 deficiency. So the problem is we used to be connected to our food. So you would garden, you bring foods from outside and you have some of the germs left from, from your fertilizer or something else. And that was enough of microorganisms for you to create B12 in your body. Now our food is overwashed, overprocessed, and we simply cannot do it anymore. So the easiest, the best way that will give you peace of mind, I subscribe through Amazon and I get Jaro formula B12 methylcobalamin 1000 micrograms is delivered to me every 30 days to my doorstep. I don't have to think about it every morning with a 1000 micrograms. But if anybody is deficient, injections for at least six months and then go on sublinguals, or you can do this, them at the same time if you want to do it that way. Thank you. That was awesome. Thank you so much. You've given us so much to think about. I have so many people I need to tell this to listen to this episode. And where can everyone find you on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, social? <laughs> yes, I'm everywhere. <laughs> it's the crazy social life, but I am at Vegalicious. So it's vega-licious.com. It's hard to remember for most people. So elenawilkins.com will take you straight to my website. And if you just Google Elena Wilkins or curing hypothyroidism, I'll come up. But I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Let's me. Let's see. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Pinterest. I'm even on Snapchat now. <laughs> Perfect. And so, but yeah, website, uh, the best way to get a hold of me if you are interested in learning about this, go to my website. I have a lot of free material there. And you know what, ladies, how about we do something special? I have a uh, ebook that I have on women's health and I make it available only right now through my consultations. But how about I give it to all of your listeners, whoever want it, I'll send it to you and you can give it away absolutely free of charge. It talks about plant-based diet, hormonal changes through our lifespan and what we need to do to be healthy women through our entire life. We're honored. That's fantastic. I can't wait to read it. Yeah. Thank you so much. So how can people get that? Your lovely listeners can go to <laughs> vega-licious.com slash foothills and they can get their bonus there. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's so generous. That is so sweet. I can't wait to read that. We really appreciate it. And thank you for having me here. And I'll probably add in another bonus because I've done a webinar back in the day on women's health. Okay. It's an hour long webinar and they can, they all can listen free because I really, really care about women. We can tell that is clear. <laughs> we love it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, ladies. Food Heals Nation, we are throwing down in Hollywood and you are invited. Come and join us at Hollywood's premier design studio, Laundry, on October 8th to celebrate our one-year anniversary party. This red carpet event will feature green juice, vegan wine, waffle cake sundaes by Gluten-Free with Emily, lots of savory, delicious meals from the Jing Slingers, Jay and Joy, and of course, don't forget, we will have our signature Lululemon swag bags with lots of products, including some of our favorites from the Global Healing Center. You knew that was coming. And if you're not in LA, we will be live broadcasting from the event on Facebook Live, and we will put the episode on a future episode of the Food Heals podcast where we are interviewing some of our favorite people like eco-vegan gal Whitney Lauritsen, the healthy vegan chef Vince Leah, and of course the host of Hallmark's Home and Family Show and gorgeously green author Sophie Uliano, who's one of my favorite people. And you can get tickets right now. Head on over to foodhealsanniversary.eventbrite.com. And of course, you know, we're not going to leave you without a special discount. So 
you can get 15% off tickets using the discount code FOODHEALS15. That is 15% off. That's going to expire on 9-22, September 22nd. So make sure to grab your tickets before 9-22. But if you missed that and you're not sure, you're not ready to commit, you can still get 10% off tickets using the discount code FOODHEALS10. That will expire October 2nd. And after that, up until the event, tickets will be full price. So go get your tickets. We hope to see you there. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to actually start using their $39.99 a month gym membership. If you experience any of these symptoms, Snapchat your trainer immediately.